What is going on, folks? Back at it again with a 20th and Blake podcast, part of MileHighSports.com. I'm your host, Luke Zalman. Just did a little spot on the fan cave for Mile High Sports Radio. So be sure to check in um, on multiple Mondays. Either I will appear on a guest spot, Jenna Jenna will appear on a guest spot. Um, Anilo Piro, I believe, appears on the radio periodically throughout the week. Um, big into the production side, so won't hear his voice on there much. You'll hear his voice commonly on the pod, but this is a Mile High Sports-centric podcast focused on the Rockies. Um, for those of you that have listened before, welcome back in. For those new listeners, um, I think you'll like today's episode because after the series the Rockies just had, I'll recap it in a second. Uh, many people know what happened. Um, I was really curious because there wasn't a ton of moves made this offseason. Wasn't a ton the offseason before outside of the bullpen. Um, and I'll also give you some background on kind of the backlash that I... Um, that media has gotten from, uh, the guy I'm going to talk about quite a bit today, um, Jeff Breidich. And I wanted to look into, okay, so the moves that are being made, how successful have they been and what could it mean for the Rockies moving forward? Because they are inching closer to that trade deadline type, um, time frame. Um, so very interesting to see what they're going to do. Um, they will likely be buyers, I would assume, Um, they're going to have an explosive offense throughout the year. So if their pitching can keep up a little bit, they will likely be in contention again. Um, so likely be buyers, but they've been buyers the last two years and it's resulted in Pat Neshek and someone. Oh, um, so even when they are, you know, in the thick of things, um, not the absolute best, um, bevy of moves, if you will. Um, so just to recap the series a little bit. Um, they dropped two games where they had big leads. Um, you know, it, I, I don't know what more to say about it. They were up, they were up 10 or 13 to 10 going into the ninth inning. They're up by six runs going into the ninth inning of game two, ended up losing both of those games due in large part to Wade Davis's efforts. Also due to Mike Dunn, also due to Brian Shaw, um, just a bevy of people that you could, I guess, point the finger at. Um, th- it's going to happen. I personally think that it is a vendetta again, or it's indicative of the team's, um, ability to truly compete that they weren't able to close those games out. Um, I don't think you're going to see a Boston Red Sox, a New York Yankees, a Los Angeles Dodgers, any of those teams drop two games in one set the way they did. Um, and I don't think you will see any of those teams hit 404 for an entire series and not at least get three of those games. Um, likely they should have swept them. Um, but if you're not going to sweep them, if you hit four Oh four in a series as a team, um, you should never split a series two to two. Um, so just insane. I mean, they're 48 runs scored in the series, third most in a four game series in franchise history. Um, the two clubs combined for 92, which is the most in the modern era for a four game series. Um, and the 131 combined hits are the second most in a four game series in the modern era as well. Um, just a ridiculous offensive series. Charlie Blackman obviously, um, led the way in that one was just named player of the week this week. Um, or today for the last week, excuse me. 
Um, no surprise there. I mean, he drove in 15 runs in, uh, the two series. He hit 568, um, just out of this world. And against the Padres set a new record for most hits in a single four game series or fewer, um, 15 hits had three straight games with four or more hits. I mean, he was just out of this world. Um, he may be on his way to a player of the month award, but that is the same thing I personally said about Nolan last month before it was given to Josh Bell. Um, by no means was he, um, by no means was he, um, snubbed of the award. Josh Bell had an amazing month. I just thought that Nolan might get it. Um, ended up not Blackman's has this huge surge going, probably going to be very good for both his all-star, um, outlook and as far as his, player of the month outlook for um the month of june but they split the series then their homestand four and three in a three gamer against the cubs four gamer against the padres and now they head out on the road they will have a break today um if you're listening to this on tuesday this is that would be the start of the arizona diamondback series um three gamers i will be flying to california to cover both the dodgers and the padres series um, those are both three or Padres, not the Padres, excuse me, the Giants. Um, they will have a pair of three game series along the coast. I will be at both of those. Um, so nine games total in that road trip, um, three, three, three against three division opponents. And then they will return home to play the Dodgers. Um, just an absolutely critical little streak right now. Um, against division opponents, they really had the opportunity to climb even further, um, get closer to the Dodgers and get closer in the NL wildcard race. More, more importantly, um, I don't think they're going to catch the Dodgers. So that would have been, you know, the more important thing with beating the Padres four times. We weren't able to do it. Um, I personally didn't think they could compete with the world series with this team anyway, but I think it was proven, especially in that series that they just don't have the team for it. Um, your offense can only carry you so far and considering the Rockies would have to go on the road in the playoffs, they couldn't just play every game at home. Um, I just, there's just no way, there's no way they could beat, um, say a Brewers, a Braves, a Phillies. Um, in one of the rounds and beat a Dodgers in one of the rounds, beat a Cubs in another round. Um, not when they have to go on the road. Um, and not when they just struggle to hit so mightily on the road. Um, but more touching on what the actual point of this podcast today was, I wanted to look at, so a little background on this. Jeff Breidich is the GM for the Rockies, was hired after the 2014 season to replace Dan O'Dowd. Um, O'Dowd had been the GM for um, almost two decades, um, just was you know pivotal and instrumental in building those teams. Um, so Jeff Breidich was brought in to be the GM after Dan O'Dowd. And uh, since then, he has just recently made comments that was in that were in uh, Drew Goodman's book, um, "If These Walls Could Talk." It's a series that they're making about um, every MLB team, um, and the Rockies one was written obviously with the help of an author, but by um, Drew Goodman. And in the book, um, to summarize uh, Jeff Wright's comments, he basically said um, that. 
beat writers are just people that are sitting in the press box that don't 100% have an idea what they're talking about because they're not part of the team um, and that they've never led anything in their lives, 99% of them, um, as far as his lead role as a GM. Um, I think that was where the comparison lied um, with him saying they've never led anything, I'm leading something, so who are they to judge me? Um, and then compared... And then threw in the comparison at the very end just to throw a little more salt in the wound um, saying that I wouldn't go to a brain surgery and take notes and critique a brain surgeon because I do not know what they are doing. Um, Very, very rash comments. Um, Just a little more background. Um, The... Ability to critique the media is one that he he has the full right to. The media has the right to critique him. He has the right to critique right back. Um, there's nothing, obviously, you know, fundamentally legally wrong with any of this stuff. The, the weird part about criticizing the media, though, is that baseball ceases to exist without media. Just like the NFL would cease to exist, just like the NBA would cease to exist, all major sports cease to exist without the media. And what I mean by that is that the TV contracts, the TV viewers, the advertisements that are on TV, all of that is a fundamental building block of these leagues. Without it, um they would they would crumble. I mean, they would cease to exist. The NFL would not be what it is without media. It would be, you know, you would never have these 80,000 capacity stadiums, nor would you have a stadium like Coors Field for baseball um, with 40,000 seats. It would be them playing, you know, in a back lot in front of 100 people. Um, and by no means am I, you know, by no means am I trying to say that, you know, media is the you know the overseer and they're completely responsible for these leagues being you know a thing i do think it is a little it it lacks awareness to critique the people that um the fans rely on so heavily um i mean if if you're looking at critiquing the media i mean they hire their own media for games and their own media has critiqued the team critiqued the players Um, so this is, I mean, it was just, it was just very rash comments and they just kept, it turned into an avalanche. The opening comment wasn't that terrible and then it got worse and then it got worse. So I wanted to look into, well, if, if the assumption is that the media does not know what they're talking about, then I wanted to kind of take a look at, well, does Jeff Breidich know what he's doing as far as his job goes? Um, he got this job for a reason, um, very qualified patron, um, totally get it. Um, he was another, you know, part of the analytics movement, Harvard guy. Um, I believe that that could be wrong, but I'm 99% sure he went to Harvard. I mean, um, so if you look at, you know, the new analytics movement, guys like Jeff Reidich are becoming the norm guys that went to big schools, um, more looked at the numbers rather than guys that were homegrown through baseball per se. Um, so just to look at as the team currently stands right now, the headliners that were brought in by Dan O'Dowd are Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, John Gray. Um, he traded for DJ LeMay, who has since departed. He traded for Jairo Diaz and Noel Cuevas, who are both in AAA and 
in the, on the major league roster respectively traded for cargo, um, who has since departed signed Senzatella, um, originally drafted, uh, Kyle Freeland, um, just a absolute laundry list of, you know, players signings, stuff that seemed to work out pretty well. This team fundamentally, you know, the pillars, Blackman, Nolan, Arenado, Trevor Story were all Dan O'Dowd products. So we can just take them out. Jeff Breidich has no responsibility for any of them. Yes, he re-signed Blackman to an astronomical deal, but Blackman would have been silly to not accept it. Breidich would probably have been silly not to give it to him. Um, the Nolan Arenado extension, he would have been in Colorado this year regardless. Um, did sign him to... I I, I want to touch on that contract again because he was given a contract that was the highest per year uh, value before Mike Trout, of course. And in that contract, he was given an opt-out after every single year following the third year. For my money, it is the best contract in professional sports. And yeah, I get it. Mike Trout signed for the highest annual value, I believe. I want to say he's 430 over the next, I don't know, 12, 13 years. I don't know the exact number. Huge deal. Um, but he does not have the opt-outs that Nolan Arenado does. Nolan, in three years, if he just keeps killing it for three years, could opt out and sign a new deal, a bigger deal, when the market has once again risen um, with another team. He could go sign with the Yankees in three years for more money than he is going to make with the Rockies. Um for my money, the most player-friendly deal, and I get it, he's your pillar, he's, you know, your team leader, you're going to need to pay him, I personally would have never given him a contract like that, I wouldn't give any player a contract like that, um, but Breidich did what he felt he needed to, um, I don't think in the long run it's going to work out well for him, especially with how much Nolan Arenado wants to compete, and how little um, Jeff Breidich is doing to help that cause, um, but I mean, Trevor story, he's not responsible for anything about him still, you know, in entering his arbitration years, John Gray has done nothing contractually with him. So he's not responsible for anything as far as John Gray. Um, so basically what you're looking at for Jeff Breidich in his draft history is Brendan Rogers, um, who was just sent back down to triple a good pick. I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be a good player. Um, he was kind of a no brainer pick. A little risky since he was a high school player, but high school hitters are usually a little better bet than high school pitchers. Um, also drafted Peter Lambert, who is currently on the roster. Um, got got beat up pretty well by the Padres in his third start. Um, before that, had two great starts versus the Cubs. So pretty good signing, or pretty good draft there. And then Garrett Hampson, he drafted him in the third round. He made an appearance this year. Didn't do very well, but he's, you know, on the precipice. Um, drafted guys like Sam Hilliard, Riley Pines, some other guys that are tearing it up in the minors. Um, draft history hasn't been terrible. He's, you know, he's made some pretty good draft picks. Got Colton Welker too. Um, he's made some really good picks that look like they're panning out. Um, you can never know, um, if they're going to get a chance with the Rockies given, you know, Colton Welker, a guy like that is completely blocked from making it to the majors anytime soon. Um, so I don't see outside of a position change how he makes it up. Um, Garrett Hampson probably isn't going to be up, you know, much. And looking at the trades is also kind of an interesting thing. Traded uh, Tuckman for deal earlier this year. Tuckman went to the Yankees and ended up killing it right when he came up. Has since uh, tailed off a little bit. 
Um, so that's to be determined how that trade turned out. Um, the two I really want, or I guess three that I really wanted to look at. He did trade for O, did trade for Nishek, good deadline deals. Uh, Forrest Wall was quite a bit to give up for Sungwon O, but I'm a big proponent of prospects being worth more, or being worth more to the outside than they are to the inside. Um, meaning a team trading its prospects to someone else is going to get more value for that prospect than they were probably going to get from that prospect. Unless it's, you know, one of those fundamental guys like a Nolan Arenado, like an Alex Bregman, you know, those type of guys that were drafted odds are your prospects are not going to be nearly as good as you think they are as a GM. Um, that's just a common trend, but especially in Colorado where they really don't make huge deals. They don't swing for the fences. Uh, me and Anilo Piro both talked about that on our last podcast. So if you want to hear more about um, the swing for the fences type stuff, go listen to that one. Um, but as far as the three deals I wanted to look at were the Tommy Canley deal, the Corey Dickerson deal, and the Troy Tulowitzki deal. First, the best deal that has been made of the three was obviously the Corey Dickerson trade. Gives up Dickerson and a prospect for Jake McGee and Herman Marquez. Um, obviously you can, I mean, you can tell right there why that's a great deal. Herman Marquez looks like he's the ace of the staff moving forward. Um, Jake McGee had a pretty good first year has since tailed off a little bit, but considering Corey Dickerson was gone from the Rays very soon after that trade even happened, um, clear winner from that deal was the Rockies. Um, the Tommy Canely deal was a very interesting one because with the White Sox and Yankees, since he's left, he has a 1.4 war, um, wins above replacement. It's, you know, a very common term. Um, just the amount of wins a player accounts for over an average player, just, you know, Joe Schmo off, you know, triple a roster, um, more wins produced than that guy could produce. Um, so he has 1.4 since then. And the guy he got for Tommy Canley was Yancy Almonte. Yancy Almonte has a 0.0 war since he came over. He's had limited stints, um, has shown a little bit, but considering how good Tommy Canley was since he left, uh, makes you think, okay, was it a scouting issue? Was it a coaching issue? What happened to where they gave up on Tommy Canley? He went somewhere else and was extremely successful. He actually became, him and David Robertson were sent to the Yankees in a huge deal for the White Sox. Um, that ended up being pivotal for the Yankees bullpen two years ago. Um, so just a deal that was a complete dud, it seems. Um, and that's what brings me to the Troy Tulowitzki deal. That is the premier deal that Breidich has done in, in his entire career as the Rockies GM. That is his linchpin deal, the biggest blockbuster, the most ESPN-worthy deal that he has done in his stint as the GM. And basically, it was awful. Jeff Hoffman has a negative .5 war. Looks like he's going to be a back-of-the-rotation starter for his career. Jesus Tinoco has a 0.0. He actually has looked pretty good lately. Um, Miguel Castro never debuted with the Rockies and has since been traded for nothing, really. Um, and Jose Reyes, a negative .2 war and an absolute boatload of money paid to him to play for them and then to not play for them so overall traded the trade package he got for Troy Tulowitzki the premier shortstop one of the premier trade targets that year is negative 0.7 um 
as you can see, just an awful trade. I mean, it, it, and don't get me wrong, it by no means has worked out for the Blue Jays either. But given the status of Troy Tulowitzki when that trade was made, you have to wonder if there was something better. Um, we'll never know. We were never a part of the trade talks. Um, but man, that trade is just looking awful. But the real huge issue where Jeff Reitich has struggled the most is the free agents signings. Um, so far, in total, negative 0.3 war out of his biggest signings for roughly, this is a rough number. I did the math um, on paper. It's not going to be 100% correct. Um, 0.3 war for roughly $159.7 million. So roughly $160 million if you round up negative 0.3 wins above replacement for that much money. So basically what that's saying is for that same amount of money, you could have called up all triple league Joe Schmo or all triple A Joe Schmoes that are completely average players and they would have put up a zero right there. And his signings are at negative 0.3. I know that's not directly how wins above replacement works, but in the grand scheme, that is kind of what you're looking at. For comparison, last year, Nolan Arenado had 5.6 war for $17 million. So if you do the math on that, he's paying about uh, about $200 million for zero wins above replacement. He would have to pay roughly, if you look at that, roughly um 260 to 300 million for one war when you look at his free agency signings jake mcgee after he got him from the trade 1.7 war just just great and then you let him go that deal needs to be done once he's out of trade you got herman marquez as well but he re-signed him for nine million dollars a year huge contract and he is point negative point oh or negative 0.3 cents that trade. $9 million a year, and total after his re-signing, he has negative 0.3 wins above replacement. Brian Shaw, in his two years, well, one-plus um, year, is at 0.1, and he is also being paid $9 million a year. Mike Dunn, over his three years with the club, is negative 0.1, and he originally signed a three-year, $19 million deal, and that is what he is producing. He was a key cog in that blown lead the other night, allowed four earned runs, um, has not given them any type of solid production since he came over, um, was signed old, has looked even older since he came over, and Mike Dunn's a good guy. Um, these are all good clubhouse presences they're good people but as far as their production it's non-existent wade davis has actually been one of his good signings 1.3 since um he was signed before last year but he is the second highest paid closer in the league he is being paid between 16 and 18 million dollars a year and was the highest paid reliever ever when he signed so he signed for that and has produced about as much as a fourth of a season from Nolan Arenado. Um, you know, apples to oranges, pitchers to pitchers to hitters, but just to put it in context, that's about how much he's produced. Um, Ian Desmond, Gerardo Parra, and Carlos Gonzalez. I know Cargo was a... I only counted the one year from Cargo because only one year of his contract was Breidich's responsibility. 
Gerardo Parra and Ian Desmond were both completely the responsibility of Jeff Breidich. And in three years, Parra produced negative 1.6 war and was paid $8 million the first two years and 9.7 his final year before they let him go. And Cargo, for his one-year $8 million deal, had 0.4 war. So pretty good in the context of... You know, all of his signings. Ian Desmond, who's originally signed to a five-year $70 million, um, has a negative 2.1 war. Um, the Ian Desmond criticism has been warranted. Obviously, it's not his fault that the contract was signed. Um, the production is his fault. Um, just hasn't been great for them. But like I said, negative 0.3 war for roughly $159.7 million. So what that tells you is... The Rockies cannot rely on signing players. That is not something they need to rely on anytime soon because they are absolutely terrible at it. None of their signings so far have worked out in grand fashion. None of them have been a bargain in quotes. Um, They've been terrible. They've worked a couple decent trades. Um, Their drafts have been pretty good. But with their drafts being so good, they need to start making trades because trades are the only time that they have not gotten you know, absolutely bent over a barrel. Um, they've been absolutely awful on the free agent market. So this trade deadline, I just wanted to put this out there for them to keep in mind that they're not going to listen to this, but for fans to keep in mind that if they do not make any trades and they decide to stand pat, they're throwing away their season and they're throwing away future seasons because they are completely unable to make free agent signings of any note noteworthy production so that is i know it's i took a while to digest the jeff Breidich comment before i put out a podcast about it um i just wanted to make sure none of the emotions of you know basically being called worthless by a human being that runs the team that you're covering um i know guys like patrick saunders of the denver post thomas harding of mlb.com they should take it a lot rougher than i did being a new beat writer for that team but nonetheless it was a disrespect to those those high level beat writers that have been there for over a decade and also the people that are brand new it is an insult to all of them um so i just wanted to put out that the rockies have a lot riding on this upcoming trade deadline and without any type of significant moves they're not in contention this year anymore they're not in contention for any type of deep playoff run they might make the playoffs but that's about it um so be sure to check in next time we'll probably have a brighter podcast for you next time on milehighsports.com be sure to keep checking the website for all kinds of new articles all kinds of uh all of our podcasts are posted on there as well as um, all the podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, um, all those type of um, podcasting apps. So be sure to rate, subscribe. Be sure to leave comments too. If there's anything that you know bugs you about the podcast, you wish you could change, anything like that, be sure to comment that as well. And I will talk to you next time, Rockies fans.